Now for the title by Mr. Steve Andrews for our sermon entitled My Ramayi. <laughs> I think it's me. I'm, I'm turned around here. Let try this on the other side. See what helps. There we go. That's not quite so bad. Uh, bad part about those, uh, sometimes they put them on wrong and they, they, they don't sound too good. It's interesting that um, uh, since this was Youth Day, I got... Man, I still think I've got it in the wrong place here. Let me try a different place here. See if that helps. There, a little higher. Maybe I'm just electric today. I don't know. Anyway, um, when I was thinking about a message today, I wanted it to focus at our youth. I was thinking about those, and um, it was what was interesting. Though I, the more I looked, I couldn't seem to find a title except in one place: the prayer to the aged man. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Psalm 71, verse 17. It doesn't, it's not up there, but it's Psalm 71, verse 17. Let's turn to that real quickly. Because as we age and we look back, there are things that we'd like to do differently. There are things that we miss as a youth that we wish we could go back to. I used to love to ride my bicycle and do things like that, but I'm not able to do that any longer. I'm getting a little bit old. For I'm afraid I might break a bone if I get on a, in too many things and, and start riding around. But in verse 17 of, um, I better get to 71, or they'll all be wondering where I'm at. All the Psalms are good, by the way. He says, oh God, you have taught me from my youth. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared your wondrous works. It's interesting that God has given us his word. Down through the ages, we have had this available. And especially in this modern age where all where we have hundreds and different Bibles and different translations and there are thousands of translations that go out all over the world. And this word that we have is so wonderful, and the fact that it can affect our youth, can touch them, is what's very, very wonderful. In verse 4 and verse 5, Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous, and the cruel man. Sometimes our young people will come up against some things in their life that they wish they didn't have to, to face. Um, sometimes they might have bullies, um, different things that might come up, and they might have to face those. And it's, um, it's, not, it's not very pleasant. But our young people can always turn to God. They can ask for help. Of course, they also can turn to their parents and make sure that those things are taken care of. For you are my hope, verse 5, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. You are my trust from my youth. I want to 
encourage our young people here today that God loves you. Jesus was sacrificed for you just as he is for your parents. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom. And he has a place for you in his kingdom. As long as you understand that and uh, you take his word and, and live by it, you will prosper and, and God will bless you. In Jeremiah, the first chapter, we find a young man that God called from before he was even born. Before he was even born, God looked down and he says, I want Jeremiah. He looks at our young people here today and he says, I want each and every one of these young people in my kingdom. I want them to be a part of it. I want them to, to, to have a position in my kingdom, to be my children, because they are his children. If we understand that all people that are created are his children, the unborn also. So it's a sad situation we have in our nation today. Beginning in verse, uh, verse 5, he says, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctify you. I, and I, adore, I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. What does a man, what does a young youth say? Well, Jeremiah was shocked. He said, I, oh Lord, God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a child. God came to him when he was just a little boy. And he started, and he told him, well, wow, you're going to do this. And he was, he was a little bit uh, in awe. But the Lord said unto me, saying, not I am a child, for you shall go to all that shall send you, and whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words into your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, and to build and the plant. Imagine that. <laughs> From that age, God called him and he had this tremendous uh, calling to reach out and to do these things. And of course, Jeremiah did. And he went through tremendous trials. I mean, some of us would have, would have without that power of God in us and that spirit that he had was given, we would have not, he would have not made it. But he was able to go through all of that. And, and not only that, but to preserve the Israelite identity. And we understand that Jeremiah may have been the one that took those uh, and preserved that identity. But he did it as a youth. He did it as a, as a young man. And he started out that way. Of course, he went, and it says here that he, he lived through. Um, to whom the word of the Lord came in the, in the days of a Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of, of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. He came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. And unto the end of the eleventh year of, the, of Jedekiah, the son of Josiah, 
king of Judah, and, the, and into, under the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the 15th, fifth month. So, he prophesied. He was there when those uh, various things were happening. He prophesied against uh, that, uh, that nation because they were sinning. And he was given that responsibility as a young person. We also understand uh, our Savior. And it's interesting that the, the scenario that, um, that it, that's written in, in, in Luke, the second chapter, isn't it? Very, very profoundly interesting what is said here. That the parents trusted in Jesus so much that when they found that he wasn't with them, they were really quite amazed. What happened? This boy obeys everything. He does everything we ask him. And what happened? We can't find him. He's not among, among us. They went to the feast in verse 41 of chapter 2. It says, And now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew it not. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. So they, they went a whole day's journey before they realized that he wasn't there. And they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. So this was not a small group. This was a fairly large group that made this journey uh, during the days of unleavened bread, the Passover and the days of unleavened bread, to Jerusalem. So, and when they had found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him a whole day. So they, they lost him, so they turned around and it took him another day to get back. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why have you thus dealt with us? Behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. And so they were grieved. They couldn't understand why he was missing. But they went back to look, and there he was. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Was you not that I must be about my father's business? And he had that weight on him to do this. And they understood not the saying, verse 50, which he spoke unto them. But here's a very interesting thing. He went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And how did he do that? How did he do that? Well, he did that through the Word. He studied he meditated. He thought on God's Word. Each one of you out there who are young, today, you have a Bible. All of that wisdom, all of that that God teaches, and the grace and the stature and the fullness of Jesus Christ is in this book. You have the, you have the, the power in your hands to be guided and led by the greatest wisdom of all time that's ever been written. And it's right there in that book. 
And you, if you want a moder more modern translation, you go and get a New King James Bible or something like that to, so that you can read it a little easier. But you study it. You think on it. You live by it. Even in the trials and tribulations in your life as young people, you live by the Word of God. And we find that Jesus, when he was older, when, he, when his ministry started and he had to face Satan, what did he do? He quoted from the book. He quoted from the Word of God. Right out of the book of Deuteronomy. And he defeated Satan. He defeated him at that time. Because there was no answer that Satan could bring. No glory that Satan could bring that would make Jesus turn. And that's because he grew up and he learned and he was instructed in the Word of God. And that's the foundation that all of our young people can have. Another example is uh, <laughs> another example is a young mother, or young woman, actually, before she became a mother, and she couldn't have a child. She was having a very difficult time with this struggle because everyone in that particular society, if you didn't have children, you were kind of ostracized. You really had a, a little bit of a problem. And, and, and being um, a wife, except actually the second wife, so she was also not only just, and the, the first wife was having children, she was having none. It was a very difficult time for her. And so she went and she prayed. And she asked God to provide a child for her. And she says, if you will provide a child for me, I will give that child to you. Of course, we know that her name is, is Hannah. And, and we'll find that in 1 Samuel, the, the third chapter, about Samuel. <laughs> the uh, priest at the time, or the prophet, actually this was during the time of the judges, um, he looked at uh, Anna and thought that she was drunk. And uh, she says, no, my Lord, I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm praying. She was praying silently. She was asking God with all of her heart, with all of her heart, that he would provide her with a child. And God blessed her. And Hannah gave that child to God. And we know him as Samuel. And Samuel was a great... Um, he was another child that God called from a very young age because there was a lot of corruption going on in, 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 uh, in Israel at the time. He had, Eli, the, the um, uh, judge at the time, had corrupt sons and they were doing very corrupt things. And God called Samuel to do his bidding and to take the nation. In, in the third chapter in verse 19... I won't go through all of this story, but I just wanted to let you know that Samuel, in verse 19, Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So this young man, who had the word of God, was blessed and even heard the word. <laughs> we have the word. We don't need that 
today. We, we have the Word of God. We can, we can search. We know what God says. And so we can look at it. And for all of our young, young people, they have that, that blessing. We have another. <laughs> so Samuel also now, he was very, very distraught when God told him to anoint the first king. He really, very, he was very upset. He had been with um, God's servant for a very long time, and, and uh, when Israel decided they wanted a king, Samuel was extremely upset. And God said, no, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They rejected me so that they can have a king over them. Well, we know the story. The first king was, was um, very, <laughs> well, he, he, he was a narcissist, I guess is what you would call him. And God was very displeased with him. So he, he had Samuel go out and find one that he was very pleased with. And that, that young boy was named David. And he was anointed as a very young boy. And he, even at a young boy, as a young boy, he was a very brave and courageous young man. It says in, in uh, 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, I'm just reading a few verses here. <laughs> this is interesting because Samuel went to anoint him, and uh, Jesse had lots of sons. Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. All of these sons that you've seen go by here, he's not chosen any of them. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are, are, are here all your children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. And behold, he keeps the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he comes hither. And he sent and brought him. And now he was ruddy wherewithal a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he, David. And, uh, you know, David has written some beautiful psalms. And some things that uh, David did were not, were not good. But God loved him and anointed him. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. And from that day forward, so Samuel rose up and went uh, to Ramah. So we, we know that also David became um, uh, kind of Saul's uh, uh, help during troubled times. His spirit, uh, the, God took the, the uh, spirit that he had given to Saul away from him and came, gave him a troubling spirit. And David was able to help him through the music that he would play. But Saul became very jealous and he wanted to kill David. And many times David was in, in great danger. And God, what did David do? What did David do? You, write, you read about it in this book right here. I got, I've, I've got a Psalms. I keep a little book of Psalms. And, and it's really nice to have something separate from the, the bigger Bible that you could, you could read. And, and every day you can separate those Psalms and you could read a Psalm. Uh, or some psalms. I've got day one, uh, first day of the month, one through nine, Psalm one through nine. But what did David do? He wrote down beautiful prayers and, and songs that he had written to God about him reaching out and asking God to protect him or to take care of his enemies or to give him help in different ways. David's heart was towards God. And as young people, our heart should be towards God. 
and give, uh, and no matter what the situation is, God can intervene for you and take care of you. Now, one other one, and I want to spend a little more time on this one because I, I, I love this. In fact, I love all of the, the interesting stories in the Bible, but uh, the one that, that, that always strikes me because I had spent some time um, not necessarily as a, uh, 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 well, let's see, what would you call Daniel? I guess he was a, um, a prisoner. Um, he was also a, uh, um, under the hand of the Babylonian king. Uh, his life was always in the balance, if you wanted to look at it that way. Daniel's life um, could have been one of misery and one of uh, uh, trials and tribulations, which it was. But where did he, who did he look to? He looked to God, didn't he? He looked to God for all that he did in his life, even in the face of captivity. This, this story in Daniel is one of the more interesting ones. In the beginning of verse 1 of chapter 1, in the year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, under Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which, was, which he carried into the land of Shinar, the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spoke unto Aspenaz, the, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, of the king's seed and, princes, and of the princes. So these were not, these were, this Daniel and these, these other uh, three that were with him were all royal seed. So they, may, they were, uh, he, he only wanted the best. He only wanted the, the, the cream of the crop. Children to whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, cunning and in knowledge and understanding and science, and such is the ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and to whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. It, it, it was interesting how that the, the mindset of, of when, you, when you take over a country, you, you pervert them. <laughs> you, you bring them into your own uh, sphere, and you, you start with the youth, so that those youth become uh, perverted, and they can reach out and then pervert others youth and bring the, the nation into captivity. Well, that wasn't what Daniel was going to do. He said, and, and, and we see that these, these uh, youth were uh, very skilled, very uh, intelligent, and, and knew a lot. And the king appointed unto them a daily portion of the king's meat and the wine which he drank, Nourishing them three years, that the end thereof might stand before the king. Now, among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Most of us know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because of the songs that we've heard. But it's interesting that in uh, their, uh, their real names, Daniel... And, and Daniel was called Belteshazzar, and uh, Hananiah, um, let's see, and Hananiah of 
of Shadrach to uh, of Shadrach and to Sh and Mishael, Meshach and Azariah, Abednego, and I have a little note down here. That, and because when you do this, you change their names, you change their way of thinking, you make them do your language. You have brought them into your into your fold, and you have you're trying to pervert them. The meanings of the four Hebrew names, and it's very interesting that God probably pushed Daniel and these three together. Because the meaning of these names, my God is judge, is Daniel. My God is judge. Or God is judge. Hananiah means God is gracious. Azariah means God is my help. And Mishael means who is like God. The meanings of their new names contradict the truth of the original names. Daniel becomes Belteshazzar. Bel will protect. Hananiah becomes Shadrach, inspired of Aku. Mishael becomes Meshach, belonging to Aku. And Azariah becomes Abednego, servant of Nego. All Babylonian, all Babylonian gods, all to pervert the the, the the lives and the thoughts of these young men. Because the Nebuchadnezzar had a plan to take these and bring them out into the rest of Israel so that he could pervert the rest of Israel. And uh, now, okay, I read that verse 6. Now verse 7. And whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, and now you got, we just talked about that, but Daniel proposed in his heart, that he would not defile himself. So he wasn't going to eat this stuff that the king had, no matter what it was. Uh, there might have been anything in it, but he wasn't going to defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might, uh, might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. No matter what the situation that we're in, God can bring favor to those who we are under. And it's interesting, I keep thinking back to the, to the days when I was um, incarcerated for a short period of time as a young man. And I don't know that I had the favor of the jailer, but he was, um, what, was I, what would I say? Um, he was sympathetic to my situation. And he gave me a few pointers about you know, what to do and how to live and what to say while I was there. <laughs> so, um, I know what it's like to be in a strange place with strange people and not having um, family or friends around you and being separated. Daniel and these three men were very, very and these three boys were very strong, very courageous. God was with them uh, mightily. And you look at what it says here and how they, how they acted and how they um, came before their, these rulers and how they did things. It, it's, a, it's a miracle. And God was with them. And we can understand that God can take care of us even in situations that we are put into that we might fear. And we just need to turn to God and ask for His help. So He was in favor, tender love with the Prince of the Eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuch said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your meat and your drink. For why should your faces worse 
lightning than the children which are uh, of your sort. Then shall you make me in danger of my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove your servants, I beseech you, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon. So they were all eating this. Uh, they were all into this. Before you, and the countenance of the children that, that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and you see, deal with your servants. So he consented to them in that, this manner and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Now, who was intervening in that situation? Thus, Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine, and they should drink, and gave them pulse, which is uh, vegetables and things like that, and probably fruits. As for the, these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel with understanding all visions and dreams. In this situation, in this, in, in, in this um, incarceration or uh, situation in which they were in, God blessed them with things that made them um, stand out in the, in the Babylonian society. And they did not give up their way of life. They stood up for it. And you read Daniel constantly was up against these um, atheistic, uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call them, uh, wizards and different things that were uh, all over the Babylonian Empire. He had to stand up to them all the time, even to the point of his own life being threatened several times. And he was not going to give up. And of course, um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know the story about them. They had to stand up to Nebuchadnezzar, and they almost lost their life, but God intervened, and, and it was a great blessing. And they said, and you remember what they said, no matter what, we're not going to do it. I don't care. If, if God saves us, that's fine. If not, that's also fine, but we are not going to bow down. We are not going to, to change what we understand is the truth, and that's what we need in our life. We need to understand that this is the way we teach it to our children, and we help them to understand that when they stand up for this way of life, God blesses them. Um, now, verse 18, Now at the end of the days of the king has said, He should bring them in. The prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Remember it says we might go before princes and, and, um, and rulers and bring forth the truth. Well, they were brought right to the, to the one that conquered them, Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers that were in his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of Cyrus. You know, sometimes in this society, young people are going to have to stand up for what they believe and understand and know. Whenever they're in school and they have to go before uh, into to, to the, the biology class, 
Anybody that's ever taken biology knows what it's like. <laughs> it is evolutionary um, thought from the day you walk in the door. So we understand the truth. God created, and created the heavens and the earth, and created man, and created all the animals. And there's many places which we can get information about that, and, and you can stand up to it. It is just like Daniel. You have to stand by your convictions, and you have to understand the truth, and you have to be grounded in it. And they were. They understood. They had, in the matters of wisdom and understanding, they understood. And they were able to stand before the king. And they were, and they impressed him. I mean, they impressed him for their knowledge and their wisdom and their ability to speak. As young men, they were able to impress them. Where did they get that information from? Where did they start out with that information? Well, they, they started in the book, didn't they? They started with being trained to understand God's laws, God's truth. They, uh, they started out by understanding that God had created all things. And so they were able to stand up to the Babylonians. As I said, when I first came to thinking about this message, I, uh, I went to, because I had read it before, and I had thought about it and I meditated on it. I went to the prayer of the aged man in Psalm 71. All youth grow up. <laughs> it's, a, it's a part of life. It, and, and, and they get old. And eventually we pass from this, this age and we, we look forward to the kingdom of God. That's the way it is. That's what we look for. We understand that. But in the, in, in the interim, as we are growing, understanding God's truth and God's way, this man, I don't know, it doesn't say that David did it, but it might have been. could have been Asaph. It just says the prayer of an aged man. And in it is a... A lot of wisdom. A lot of wisdom in here. He says in verse 1, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. We have a lot of confusion in this world today. And the only place that you can put any trust is in God and His Word. Deliver me in your righteousness. Cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be you my strong habitation whereunto I may continually resort. You have given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O, deliver me, o my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man. And there are a lot of that going on today. It's a shame even in our own town how many murders there are that are going on. It's like every day I, I wake up and there's another one. Your parents are going to have to give your kids a very strong and uh, loving concern for the world they live in. For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. And that's what I'm hoping that all of the young people have, that they trust God from the beginning, that this is, that, that this is not just the start, but that they've, been, that they've been raised up this way. And as they get older, they, they remember the truth. And as they, as they get to the, those ages where they have to make major decisions, marriage and, and different things, that they will remember the Word of God and they will turn to Him. He says, Be you, uh, by thee have I been holding up from the womb. 
Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of you. I am as a wonder unto many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. Well, we all will get to that point where we get old and gray, and we, we ask that God be with us and take care of us even up to that, those failing minutes in our life. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Persecute uh, and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be uh, confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually, and I will let praise, yet praise thee more and more. I will hope continually. I like that. I will hope continually, and yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness, thy salvation, all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. I love this verse here, 17. O God, you have taught me from my youth. Here there too have I declared your wondrous works. If we understand the word of God and what it says in there, we understand creation and who he is and what he's, what he's doing on this earth. And the time will come when he will return to this earth. And then all those wondrous works will be revealed. But we have an insight, don't we? Because we have God's word. We have an insight into those wonderful works. We can look without colored atheistic eyes at his creation. A beautiful creation that he has made. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, as I am today, <laughs> O God, forsake me not, till I have showed your strength unto this generation and your power to everyone that is to come. He preserved that phrase so that it would come down through the ages. He preserved that phrase. God preserved that phrase for all of us. Let me read that again. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed your strength unto this generation and your power to everyone that is to come. Everyone that is to come. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high, who has done great things, O God, who is like unto you. You, was, uh, you which have showed me great and sore troubles shall quicken me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. <laughs> Prophetic, isn't it? Now, this, that sounds like David, doesn't it? That sounds very much like David in his last days, writing this message and understanding that God will raise him up in, that last, in the last days on the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I will also praise you with the psaltery, even thy truth, O God. Unto you will I sing with the harp, O you, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto you, and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long. 
for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. When our uh, young people face trials and tribulations in this life, we have to remind them that, one, you as their parents are with them, and you're for them, and you love them, and you'll help them as best you can, but also that they have a great power that loves them also, Jesus Christ, God the Father, and that power of the Spirit that can guide and lead them. Brethren, it is wonderful to have our young people and to be able to see um, them change and grow. and um, it's, a, it's a real blessing in this congregation to have these that we have. And I'm so very, very thankful, and God has blessed us.